This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Kaylee, Danielle, Damasaurus, Jeff, Awesome Possum Blossom, Amy, Matt, William, Brandon, Dave, Scott, Tristan, Kate, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, and Nick B. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of the awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group and Discord servers where we hang out and chat daily. I suck at golf, but I love playing it. I'm terrible, though. Oh, I'm god-awful. And, like, was really nervous today because it was, like, a polit- like a career, like, Ooh, we're all going to go hit 18, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was better on the back nine. I will say that I started very terrible. We know you're good on the back nine, Mikey. <laughs> you know? But really, the front six is what gets me through. It's a penis joke, Paige. Yeah, Paige, it's my penis. Yeah, I know. I'm aware. <laughs> probably generous i'm a giver (laughs) (laughs) thank you for tuning into horror virgin i'm Paige. i'm mikey and i'm your horror virgin todd which means i don't like scary movies but you guys make me watch them and this week Paige made us watch Sean of, of the, the Dead. dead. Paige and I. I want some credit. Well, that's fair. Paige loves this movie, though. Oh, I think I think I I've do. heard her describe it as her favorite movie. It's it's one of my favorites. I don't believe in narrowing your favorite movie down to one film. I agree with that. I think that's fair. I don't like picking favorites for anything. This is definitely a movie I could watch over and over again, which is how I define favorites. Yeah. Okay. So, when was the first time you saw it, though, Mikey? I we were getting hyped in high school that they were making this movie. Oh, <laughs> or like yeah? right when I graduated high school, I was like, oh man, this is coming out. When I was like a freshman in college, I was like, this is coming out next year. This is going to be great. I'm so excited about this. I love zombie movies. It's going to be a zombie. You know, like there wasn't a lot of like meta stuff back then with horror. Now, had you seen Spaced beforehand? No. Okay. Spaced was the BBC show that he did. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yes, I have seen Spaced. Okay. I really dug it. I love uh, the BBC stuff. I'm sort of an Anglophile because I love the BBC and a lot of stuff that you couldn't get in the U.S. Like before you could stream pretty much anything anywhere. My brother-in-law, who is, I think literally the best human his name is dan he turned me on to a bbc show called coupling and that mm. like was my in to the bbc because i loved that show and so i watched a bunch of bbc shit but yeah so i've seen space i really like this movie i'm just gonna say that i assumed you would it is so good i think it may be my favorite horror movie so far it's definitely wow. up there with like leslie vernon like it's that high up I would say that there is not a Leslie Vernon character in this. There's someone that I just like look up to and admire and want to be like one day. And that's, you know, the actor Nathan Basil. But like, I love this movie. I still have never seen Leslie Vernon. Oh my God. You have to see it. I haven't either. Oh my yeah. God. You guys are such horror virgins. No, I honestly don't know why you guys did it. I was like, what is this movie? <laughs> I had never heard of that movie before you guys did it on the show. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, so Paige, when was the first time you you saw this movie. Uh, so I was not super allowed to watch horror movies growing up, although we watched a ton of sci-fi, of which there is a lot of crossover. So yeah, I sure. was, I probably saw this. I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it pretty soon after it came out because someone had convinced my dad that 
it was funny. And they were like, you should watch it because it's funny. And so I was probably like 18. Nice. Uh, And then when I went to film school the next year, or I guess two years after this came out, as Hot Fuzz was in production, one of my TAs was obsessed (laughs) with Edgar Wright and, and had been since Space Days. And so she lent us her copy of Space and we had to watch it on a region hacked DVD player. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, awesome. Because this was before the US releases. Yeah. And I know that because that TA and I drove to Hollywood, well, separately, met up here to go to the launch of the US spaced DVD released at Amoeba Music. So I saw it, then watched Spaced before Hot Fuzz came out. And then when Hot Fuzz came out, I'm pretty sure we saw Hot Fuzz in theaters. Yeah. But by then I I was hooked. And what a lot of people I think don't realize about this movie, especially if they've never seen Spaced, is that this movie is very much more a Spaced sequel than a Cornetto prequel. And I know that sounds insane, but essentially for England at the time, or for the UK at the time, this movie is kind of like if your favorite TV show that didn't get the recognition it deserved made a movie with all the same actors playing different roles. And that's what this is. Yeah. So it's I'll talk about it a lot more in fun facts, but this movie doesn't get made without Spaced for sure. And it only has the success it has because of the Spaced fandom at the time, which was still kind of niche. Like it was not the friends of the UK It was like the party down of the UK. Yeah. So imagine if like all the party down fans in America helped get a movie made that was just everyone from party down in a different movie. (laughs) So, yeah, there's a lot of spaced in jokes in this movie. I love party down. I do too. I you should see down. Spaced, man. It's great. You, If you like Party Down, you'll like Spaced. I think there's only two seasons of it though, right? Like, There's it, only two. Okay. There's 14 episodes total. Yeah, yeah, it's great though. It's really, really funny. So what did you guys think about the movie when you first saw it? I loved I it. I loved it. Like like instantly. Yeah. yeah. It is yeah. hilarious. I liked it a lot because I think we watched Night of the Living Dead last week. So yeah. like Nick Frost, every time he's like talking about Barbara, I, I laugh every time just because <laughs> it's so funny. If we were able to watch Dawn, you would have laughed even more. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of Dawn in this, too. I'll talk oh, about yeah? some of it in fun facts. Okay. Yeah. OK, cool. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was great. I, I love it. I loved it at the time. This is my gateway horror movie where because oh, yeah. I hadn't seen a lot of horror growing up, uh, was scared of it. And watching this, I was like, no, I could get down with this shit. And that started the snowball effect into horror fandom yeah, um, I'm scared this is going to be a boring episode because I'm going to be like, remember that part? And then be like, that was so great. <laughs> it, it won't be. I have stuff to point out along the way that you might not know or might not have noticed that might be. Yeah. I, oh, I'm sure there's a bunch of like little niche, little in stuff. Yeah, yeah. There used to be. And and I kept trying to find it on my three different DVD slash Blu-ray copies of this film. Wow. One of, well, one of them, you, I swear, and maybe I'm thinking of Spaced or, or Hot Fuzz or something. I could swear that one of them had a track, like a commentary, like a VH1 uh, pop-up video style track that would pop up and tell you what all the references were. Love pop-up video. And now, and I couldn't find it on all, all of my DVDs. And I was like, am I a fucking imagining this? So, okay. So the pop-up format needs to come back. Like if Netflix had a does. thing where like pop-up facts came up when you were watching old, like Netflix movies or streaming yeah. movies. And I know that Amazon does x-ray, but it does, it's not the same. I'd straight up just watch pop-up video again. Same. As yeah. is. I, w- I just want that in everything. I'm going to start a pop-up podcast where it's just like the host <laughs> talking and then occasionally hear like, 
Bloop, bloop. Mikey was <laughs> drunk halfway through this episode. <laughs> Pop up video. <laughs> okay, I will say that I anal. I guess it's because we do romance in the pod now. I did analyze the relationship more than I think I've ever have when nice. watching it, and I was like, I think you should. I think the movie does a really good job of depicting a realistic relationship with problems. It's yeah. one of my favorite parts of the movie. I think they do a really great job at it. And I'm not sure I would have taken Sean back. I'm just saying. I would not have. I mean, it's the end of the world, any port in a storm, but after the apocalypse is over, it's time to break up again. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should just get in this movie so we can talk about it, though. All right. Sure. So we open on Sean sitting in a pub. The shot pulls out to reveal that he's there with his girlfriend, but also his friend Ed, and also her flatmates. And I love that this scene kind of like, it, it does a, a great comedy device of like, you think it's one thing that we pull out and reveal it's something else. And then we pull out and reveal that it's something else. And the device they use to do it is this. It's not that I don't like that person. And then they turn to that person and say, it's not that I don't like you. And you pull out and reveal that that person's there. <laughs> you haven't realized that for the whole time. They're having a very in-depth relationship conversation with everybody around which is really interesting. It's great. I really love this reveal. And this is something that Stephen Moffat did in Coupling too, where they like would have these like in-depth conversations and then they would say, it's sort of like someone just sitting there not saying anything, like Steve. And then it would reveal that Steve is sitting there like this whole time. <laughs> and I love that. And I, I don't know if it's just like that British sense of humor, but it is really funny. And I love the way they use it in this movie. It is. And it's a great way for us to kind of learn who everyone is very, very quickly because this movie is paced fairly fast oh it is considering yeah no it's great like you know what the stakes are on what everyone's doing like three minutes into the movie and that's cool and this movie just barely cracks an hour and a half yeah, and yeah. It, honestly it doesn't yeah. need to be any longer doesn't need to be any shorter no. like it's really well done yep. i watched that stupid uh tomorrow war on amazon prime i don't know if you i guys told are. you that was gonna be stupid it's got a pacing issue where it goes it goes 20 minutes too long. Like he comes back from the future and I was like, oh, that was a cool movie. And then they have another Return of the King type 20 minutes. I was about to say, what is this, Lord of the Rings? <laughs> and I was like, everything after he comes back from the future, I hated and it made me hate the movie. I don't have a podcast to talk about that. So I just wanted to say it here for everyone else. Then I would like to say that Jake and I watched the Pacific Rim sequel and... It's dumb fun, man. I like that sequel. I enjoyed it a lot. I also, I love John Boyega. So anytime mm -hmm. we get to hang out with John Boyega for an hour plus, I'm here for it. I saw Pacific Rim in theaters twice. We can move on. <laughs> Todd, do you have any movies you want to talk about besides the one we're talking about that aren't in our podcast range? So there's a movie called Flight Plan where uh, <laughs> Jodie Foster gets on a plane from Germany and she's flying back to the U.S. She uh -huh. falls asleep and her daughter goes missing. Let me yes. remind you, she's on a plane and they've lost her daughter. I remember this movie. How yes. does that happen? They're in an enclosed toothpaste tube soaring through the sky and she loses her daughter. Anyway, that's a crazy premise for a movie. Did they refund her the daughter fee? <laughs> yeah, Spirit Airlines charged her $200 for a daughter fee that they refused to refund. <laughs> I've never seen Flight Plan, but it came up yesterday at my 4th of July cookout, and I couldn't stop laughing about it. If I if I remember correctly, the debate within Flight Plan becomes, was her daughter ever there? Or does her daughter exist? I swear to God, when I read the premise, I was like, oh, this is just gaslighting the movie. I well, To be honest with you, it's been so long, I don't remember how funny? it ends. So I don't remember if the daughter exists or not. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, let's get back into this podcast, though. I'm going to Google it. How does Flight Plan end? <laughs> Nick Frost's character approaches the table and just says, can I get any of you cunts? 
a drink. Yeah. In one sentence, we learn who he is, yeah. basically. It's great. But I mean, it's also in the UK and they use that word a lot better than we do in the US. Yeah, but also it even within that sentence, it's implied that everyone kind of is uncomfortable with him and his energy. They're just kind of like, yeah, okay. absolutely. I mean, I have friends like that. And instead of like just avoiding them and pushing them off and like not seeing them, I invited them to be on a podcast with me. (laughs) (laughs) Can I get any of you cunts a movie? (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're going to call the third podcast we do about every other movie genre. (laughs) It's just that I'm the only one allowed to say the title. Yep. Yes. That's why you introduce all the pods, Paige. <laughs> Can I get you P-words a movie? <laughs> Can I get you P-words a movie? All right. Well, we got there. Let's move on. Anyway, it's, it's the royal we. Um, <laughs> so we reveal that their anniversary, their three-year anniversary was a week ago, and they just came and sat in the pub like they always do. There was nothing special about it. Yeah. And she's questioning his investment in their relationship. She hasn't met his mom yet. Now, I've never made it to three years, but I would assume that that's bad. And he, she should probably meet his mom way before then because her mom lives in the same town. As yeah. someone who's approaching three years with Natalie, yeah, I she's already met my mom. Uh-huh. Like, we're going to do something nice and special for our three-year anniversary, even though I do not know what it is yet, but I got a few months. So, like... Yeah, that's a bad thing. If like for your anniversary, you do something that you do every night, it because it is over two years technically is a tradition, but you need to like (laughs) change it up and have more fun with it on your anniversary. I thought you'd like that, Mikey. (laughs) I love love that joke. Whatever something special means to you. So like, you know, it doesn't have to be, it's the thought behind it that counts. Yeah, it doesn't have to be expensive. It can be like sentimental or romantic or, but that may also be expensive. It can be whatever. It's like, it's very specific to you two as a couple. Yeah. Yeah. And, And her implication here is just that like, he's not thinking, past them just hanging out at the pub the way they always do and i i would say the only reason you don't meet someone's parents and you're dating them for three years is if there's a specific reason why you shouldn't like for example their parents are super racist or abusive or some reason why but yeah. I feel oh, yeah, like you yeah, would yeah. you would know why. Like, like, oh, you can't meet my uncle. He's a child murderer in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Anyway, uh, they do. He does catch a bag of hog lumps with his head, which I think is very funny. Hog lumps feature a couple different times in the movie. And is that a real thing? No, I think they're made up. But the other ones that they reference within the movie are real because they they have twiglets and uh, a couple others uh, but I thought hog lumps were made up they're pork rinds essentially I figured it was pork rinds but I wasn't sure if it was like a black eyed peas song so like I no, just no, left no. it alone <laughs> I learned long ago that just normal food in England sounds like Harry Potter stuff so it's fine <laughs> That, I mean, that's true. That's why I uh, sometimes order Tato's on Amazon. <laughs> uh, Mikey, anyway. when I was in the UK, I learned that oh, their food's God. gross. <laughs> well, you, you got to pick your spots and you got to know what's gross and what's not. It's really not. There is some great food over there. I just I went there and with the express purpose of trying fish and chips because I was like, I don't really like seafood, but I'll try it. And I still hated it. And if I hate it there, I'm going to hate it everywhere. Yeah, I like yeah. fish and chips. I don't 
like seafood also, but I have had good fish and chips in the UK. But that's like the only place I would eat them. Yeah, so like I went to Japan and tried sushi because I was like, if I don't like it here, I'm not going to like it anywhere. I didn't like it there, so I'm never going to eat sushi again. I Like, honestly, your logic, <laughs> pretty sound. I, I feel like it is, yeah. I went to Scotland, had haggis, didn't hate it, honestly. Yeah, haggis is not bad. Yeah, okay, but I will say... Italian pizza is not as good as pizza. <laughs> um, here's what I'm going to tell you, Michael. As 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 someone who has been to Italy and spoke enough Italian to pass, it's because you were a tourist and they gave you shitty pizza. Well, I just mean. Oh, I've never been to Italy. First off, but it's like oh. I like it. Like I don't know. I just like I like pizza. Like like this. I don't like. Do you the like New York sauce. or Chicago? Quick, New York, Chicago. Which one? Oh, I like them both. I mean, like, I like a lot of pizza. What's your favorite, though? If you had to pick one, which would you go with? My favorite is the buffalo chicken pizza at Mafioso's, <laughs> which is a New York-style pizza. It is New York-style, yeah. My favorite thing to do is go to Mafioso's, order their buffalo chicken New York-style pizza, order their Chicago-style deep-dish pizza, put it on top of each other, and then eat it. That's one pizza. That's still two pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it fully is two pizzas. Um, Paige, when I'm on top of a woman, we are one together in <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, order me a dictionary. No, no. I think you think you're one together because you're actually alone. Um, <laughs> I like both Chicago and New York and Detroit style. The squared pizza? It's square and it's specifically cooked in aluminum cake pans to get crispy cheese around the side. Yeah, that crispy cheese is the shit. I love it. But I also really enjoy Neapolitan pizza, which is what they have in Italy. Back to this movie where they're in the pub. And I keep I keep wanting to call him Simon Pegg. Sean. I mean, you can call him Simon Pegg. It's fine. Everyone Simon knows who Pegg, it is. Yeah. In, in an effort to try and salvage this relationship, tells her that they're going to go out for dinner somewhere nice tomorrow, just the two of them. Yeah. And we cut to the credits. I love the credits of this movie because it's a bunch of people who are not zombies yet doing very mundane zombie things. And if you look closely, all the zombies that you see prominently featured later in the movie are in this montage. Oh, really? I did not notice that. That's oh, awesome. I didn't okay, know cool. That. Yeah. Uh, like the girl from the backyard, the big guy from the backyard, the group of zombies outside the pub that have the twins who are also in hot fuzz. Yeah. There's a group of four zombies. There's the one in the tux. They're all in that opening montage. So you awesome. really. There's a lot of points like that in this movie where there's visual foreshadowing that they don't call out directly. And once you've seen it a bunch of times, you can kind of see it and pick it out. That's something that Edgar Wright is really, really good at. I mean, he did that with Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Like pretty much all of his movies have that in it. But they do a lot of foreshadowing through the dialogue, too. Like there's that one yeah. shot. And I knew this going into it because people talk about this all the time. But that one shot where they're saying, you know, pretty much the plot of the movie to each other when they're still in the bar that night. The plan. Yeah. yeah. So like that is a good example of the foreshadowing that you actually hear and see them talk about. There's also uh, there's a number of people and I'll point it out as we go through. But in the first act, there are a number of times that they say goodbye to people or end a conversation with someone with a colloquialism that ends up being true. So when it happens, there's a really, really prominent one. I'll let you know. But they are often foreshadowing people's deaths later. And also everyone's name rhymes with what happens to them. What? That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's let's move through the movie because that's I want to hear about all this as we get through it. That's amazing. Yeah. So we cut to the next morning. Sean gets up and he looks very zombie-like. Specifically, he's designed to look like Bub from the later Romero films, uh, which 
you have not seen. I have not, but I believe you. I love Bub. It's very recognizable. Yeah, he looks a lot like Bub. And he sits down on the couch next to Ed to play video games. But as soon as he sits down, Ed is like, don't you have to go to work? And so he gets up. Now, if you pay close attention, when he sits down, it says player two has entered the game. Yes. That's going to come back later. He gets up. We get a getting ready montage. This is the first... One of the first. There's a couple in space, but in a movie, this is the first Edgar Wright mundane montage, which is something that will happen throughout his films, specifically the Cornetto trilogy and then Scott Pilgrim, where he takes people doing boring things and then shoots them like action and then cuts them together. So in this scene, it's Sean brushing his teeth, putting his clothes on, running the sink, and then putting his shoes on. In Scott Pilgrim, it's very kind of similar. In Hot Fuzz, it's them doing paperwork. Yeah. And there are these like action paperwork montages. Is it kind of like a play on like the old like Commando movie with like Schwarzenegger where he like has the montage of, and the Rambo movies? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's shot like he would be sticking a knife in a sheath and cocking a gun and then lacing up his boots or something like that. But it's just him brushing his teeth and getting dressed. What's really funny is the Scott Pilgrim one that sticks out in my memory, which is one of the last ones because it doesn't really happen in Baby Driver. Uh, in Scott Pilgrim, he does that thing where he's getting ready and it's like sleeve, sleeve, shirt. And then he gets to shoes and it stops the montage so he could tie his shoe yeah. in, in real time. <laughs> and then it cuts back into the montage. So in the bathroom, Sean closes the mirror to reveal his roommate, played by Peter Serafinowicz, standing behind him. And he's basically listing out all the things that Ed is doing wrong. The door to the apartment was open. The apartment's a mess. He's not pulling his weight. And I know that he's your friend, but you've kind of outgrown him. Yeah. Is what he's implying. He's holding you back, I think is what he says. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In interviews about this movie, both Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, who wrote this together, have talked about how they view this movie a little bit as coming to terms with turning 30. And then Hot Fuzz and essentially World's End is coming to grips with getting into your late 40s. And then Hot Fuzz is kind of the in-between. Um, but that's very much a theme of this movie is sorting your life out of like, yeah. it's time to grow up, basically. And you see that. I mean, he talks about how he's 29 and he's like the old man at that retail store, you know? Yeah. So like, I mm -hmm. definitely could see that. That makes sense. Yep. So Sean says to Ed, like, hey, if you're, you know, can you please pick up around the house? And the roommate pops in and does it in a dickish way. So, like, it's it's hostile in the house. Yes. But Ed to Sean is like, I'm not doing anything for him. And Sean says, do it for me. And he says, okay, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. And it's a <laughs> silent fart that engulfs the room. But who hasn't done that to their friends? Nobody. And I love his response is like, I'll stop doing it when you stop laughing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, as Sean leaves the house, Liz leaves the message. Ed doesn't take it down, doesn't text Sean about it. Sean does not receive this message. Right. As he walks across the street, he sees zombies in order. A soccer kid, homeless dude with a dog, guy washing the car, people running, the janitor, the corner store, and the guy in the suit in the corner store. Specifically, the papers then on the counter. Uh, and the papers... Watching this now, the papers all say things like pandemic super flu. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, chilling. Yeah. Very timely as of last year. Very. Yeah. 
uh, and remember the order because that order does get repeated the next day. I don't. I didn't think they were zombies yet at this point. They're they not. Were. They're oh, not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 They're not. So you see them in normal, and then the next day you yeah. get like a reset of them as zombies. Yeah, I love this. Order. I thought it was yeah. awesome because it literally is like the exact same shot, and it just shows that he does everything the same every day mm-hmm. to the point where his brain is off. He's not even yeah. processing the information that is very clearly around him, that there is a zombie apocalypse clearly going on. He goes in there, buys, I think he does buy a Diet Coke instead of a regular Coke the next day, because growth or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing different. He even slips in blood. I mean, like, there are so many signs. I love those two, like, long shots together. Like, that was so yeah. funny. It's so They're great. great. Yeah. So we, we do the first one where yes, we see everything sorry. as quote-unquote normal. And then we see him on the bus on his way to work and he's looking out the window and he sees a woman pass out at the bus stop. Yeah. We cut to him at work where he's basically revealing that a number of their coworkers have called out sick, specifically one named Ash. And because everyone is sick, he is now the manager. That's amazing. I didn't realize it was Ash from Evil Dead. He also, so he works at a store called Forey Electric and that's named for Ken Forey, who's in Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. So there are it's there's stuff like that all through the movie in Hot Fuzz. All the streets are named after action stars. So like there, okay, it's yeah. a thing that they kind of do. So like in this one, all the businesses are named after famous zombie things. Nice. Um, but so he gives everyone kind of this pep talk. It does not help at all. They're That's just a terrible. bunch of teenagers who don't want to be there. Namely, the main teenager, Noel, is played by Rafe Spall yes, from The Ritual. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff, too. Like. Yes. And it's wild to see him as a teenager. Yes. He looks completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like in great shape now. And he's like been in a bunch of movies where he's like, and this is just like him, 17 year old douche. I loved it. I think he's one of, and I'm not sure. I haven't heard him talk about it. I think he's one of those people where some people are like chubby, 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 chubby. And then they just hit a growth spurt. And as adults, they're just like, they stretch out or whatever. Yeah. And I think that might be what happened. I'm not sure because he is very young here um, because by the time he does Hot Fuzz just a couple years later, he he looks completely different. Yeah. Anyway, he is giving Sean shit because he's like, you're old. Why do you still work here? One of my favorite things is Sean is like, I want to do things with my life. And then he says, when? It's it's just brutal This is gonna sound terrible But when I was in college And I was waiting tables Everyone was like Around my age We were all like 19, 20, 21 Maybe 22 With the older side of it And then we had One waiter there Who was 45 And he was like a singer songwriter and was gonna make it in Nashville. And man, we said this kind of stuff to him all the time. I feel bad about it now because, it, oh man, we were not nice to this man. And I feel so bad about it now. But I, <laughs> like, I was straight up Ray Small, but it was, at a, it was at a Ruby Tuesdays instead of this electronic store. Oh. But I think that's part of growing up is when you are working in like a, your high school job and there's like that one like 30 year old there and you're like, I mean, at my movie theater it was like the assistant manager and I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I will say this is also one of the first places in the movie we get the phrase, you've got red on you. Well, because he's got a pen in his pocket that leaks. Yeah. Yes. It will not be a pen tomorrow. No. Yeah. And we also get a scene kind of reminiscent of the one in 40-Year-Old Virgin where they're switching through the TVs to find something else to watch and it's all the same shit. So, But he's trying to show customers a TV and it's all just like 
horrific newscasts about the super flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just keeps flipping like, uh, but not paying attention to what's on the screen. Uh, we cut to his dad, a.k.a. stepdad. Yeah, he's not his dad, Paige. He's not my dad. Uh, but it's Bill Nye who who is Bill Nye. Nye. I never. I can never. Yeah, Bill Nye. Yeah, Bill Nye's the science guy. Bill Nye yeah, yeah, yeah. is amazing. I love Bill Nye. Oh, man, is the air up good up there at the high road? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got no jokes. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing this episode. <laughs> I like it. I mean, honestly, be as petty as Todd. No, I mean, like, I would listen to a commentary track of Sean the Dev just Paige explaining shit to me about the movie as we went on. <laughs> yeah. So he tells him, like, you're visiting tomorrow. You better bring flowers because you forgot to on Mother's Day. I'll see you tomorrow. Yes. And Todd, stepdads are traditionally hard to get along with. All right, Paige, continue. <laughs> I mean, Mikey, I've had two different stepdads. <laughs> Ooh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Ooh. I thought you said this wasn't a social gathering. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Noel interrupt, interrupts him because Liz has called. So he answers the phone and he's trying to play it off like it's not a social call because he kept telling Noel to get off the phone. And so Liz is like, did you get my message? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Totally. I'll handle it. Not realizing that she's asking about dinner that night. He has not made reservations and he hasn't received her message from earlier in the day. Right. So he hangs up, completely ignores everything she said. <laughs> we cut to him at the flower shop where he's ordering flowers. As he's buying them, a guy runs past the front of the flower shop, like just terror. Yes. And then also from that flower shop across the street, he can see a man in the park trying to catch and eat pigeons raw. Yes. But while that's happening, the flower lady is like, what card do you want to a wonderful mom or pow, super mom, which I was like, <laughs> so he gets back on the bus. But this time, everyone on the bus looks kind of sick and dead. We cut to a traffic jam as he's walking home where there is a guy passed out at the wheel and an ambulance trying to load him into it. And he runs into an old friend. Now, if you didn't watch Spaced, this does not make any sense as to why this character is here. Okay. I never get this joke. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So in Spaced, she is his co-star and it's because she and Simon Pegg used to do improv before they booked Spaced. Oh, wow. So like she and Simon Pegg had been friends for a long time. They kind of book and develop Spaced together and then they move on to do other things. So everyone always thinks of like, oh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And I'm like, well, before that, it was Simon Pegg and Jessica Hines, although I think her last name is now Stevenson. And so she's like his comedy partner. And so she shows up and is like, hey, how are you? Are you still with Liz? How's everything going? Well, I'm glad somebody got out. Yeah. And it's it's literally a reference to the show that they did before this that all of the fans are then watching this movie because of that well and she also says that exact same line at the very end of this movie yes yeah, yeah. well and she has a, a cameo in the middle of it with more people from space oh those all people <laughs> from space too okay yes yeah. when yeah. i saw that i was like holy shit it's spaced if they were the characters from Shaun of the dead yeah it, it's, it's Shaun of the dead is almost like if you just went five years in the future from spaced and had a zombie attack yeah. with all those people yes should i watch space Yes, you should watch yes, Space. It's very it's funny. It's so fucking good. Yeah. I love Space. So Sean gets home, listens to the message that Liz left that morning, realizes that he has not made reservations. And so he calls the restaurant. Specifically, he calls a restaurant called Fulci's, 
which is a reference to a giallo director who used to make zombie movies. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it's Edgar Wright's voice on the phone as the restaurant guy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Doing a bad Italian accent. I love it. Uh, sorry, sir. We just gave a real last table. Um, <laughs> if you listen back to it, you're just like, that's insane. Anyway, so he can't get a table. And so she calls and is like, so what's the plan? Where should I meet you? And he's like, let's go to the Winchester. And she's furious yeah. <laughs> because he told her everything was going to be fine, but then it wasn't. And so he goes to her house with the flowers that were originally for his mom and her roommates. Oh, this guy's a shit show. Yeah. He's the worst. He's a nightmare, Mikey. So much. He's, the, he's the Franklin of this movie. Yeah. He's not thoughtful <laughs> at all. I don't know. I feel like he is trying to do better, but he's so comfortable where he is. Like, he doesn't really want to do anything unless someone forces him to do anything different. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's trying that much. I don't think he is either unless someone forces him to. Yeah. Yeah. So Sean tries to climb through the window, but can't. Yeah. So he buzzes and they do eventually let him in. And he ends up talking to Liz and she realizes that the flowers were for his mom, uh, not for her. I love that because she does read it and then he like tries to make a joke yeah. about it. He's like, oh, it's a bad joke <laughs> referencing our conversation yesterday. And for a second yeah, I was yeah. like, holy shit, he might have saved it. And then she's like, <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> And I was like, good for you, Liz. That saved you like the first three times. But like, I know your shit now, Sean. Oh, yeah. They're three years in. She knows his tricks. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so she tells him that she started to feel like if she didn't do anything, she was going to end up in that pub for the rest of her life. And so she breaks up with him and he goes to the Winchester. He tosses the flowers in the trash can, although they will come back later. Yeah. And he sees a couple making out in front of the Winchester and goes inside. We cut are to they making him. out, Paige? I thought, yeah, I thought it was a zombie attack. At this point, they are. It's oh. the later scene outside oh, okay. when okay. it's an attack. Yes, but but again, it's that visual foreshadowing yes. of like cueing you into things to look at. Yeah. So we cut to Ed and Sean at the pub, and he's super sad. And if you leave me now, comes on the jukebox. And Ed's like, who put this on? And he's like, it's all random. <laughs> it's just like like the universe is shitting on Sean's world. And then that happens later, too. And it's a great queen banger. I love that yep. song. Oh, yep. So good. You can always count on Edgar Wright to score an action sequence with Queen. Yeah. So they keep drinking through the night and they decide that they're going to go on kind of a mini pub crawl the next day. All of those pubs do eventually end up in at World's End. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. And he punctuates it with how is that for a slice of fried gold, which is also a spaced reference, but becomes a refrain in this movie. Yeah. So as they're going around the bar describing who is there, they actually, as they describe each of the regulars, describe how they die, like in a roundabout way. I did sort of notice that, yeah. Yeah, so like the snake lips guy is like always surrounded by women, and we see a bunch of teenage girls eating him later. And then we've got the one who I think it's like, they're describing her as if it's like a porno taking shots to the head and she gets shot in the head. Yeah. And then we've got the North London Mafia and it does turn out that the gun is loaded and they have to beat him with pool cues. It's the whole thing. And he basically gets to a point where Sean's feeling better. You don't need Liz to have a good time. And then Ed says, it's not the end of the world. And as he says that, a zombie knocks on the window of the bar and they tell them to go away because they're closed. Well, and they just think that they're drunk. Right. Yeah. Right. So we cut to... Sean and Ed are leaving the bar singing White Lines by Grandmaster Flash. Yeah. 
as they pass that couple that they passed on the way in, now it's not a romantic interlude. The head like falls off the guy. She's chewing on his neck and his head falls off. Yeah. Like right as they turn around. It's such good yes. timing. I loved it. That's good head. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God, Mikey. I'll, be, I'll be here all night. <laughs> <laughs> they pass a zombie in the road. They're singing. And then they're pausing for the zombie to sing back. But it's just like moaning. Yeah. Digga, 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 digga. Uh. <laughs> he didn't know the lyrics he could have said break or freeze uh so they get home and they're having like an impromptu dj session in their flat like at three in the morning and it's super yes. loud i would be so mad at my roommate if they did oh, this yes and that's why their roommate pete comes downstairs and just reads them the riot act because it's not saturday it's sunday and he has to go to work in a couple hours because everyone else is called out sick and he throws the album out into the yard and sean's like that's the second album i ever bought which does come back later as well yeah but he also reveals that he's been bit on the hand he got mugged and sure he did Paige. well he says he got mugged by crackheads and one of them bit his hand he didn't stop to ask them why also the front door is open again, so he slams it. And then Ed says, next time I see him, he's dead. Yep. Which ah. is true. <laughs> yep. So Sean writes out a list of things to do the next day on the whiteboard on the fridge, sits down on a chair in the kitchen, and passes out. He wakes up the next morning, looks at the list, walks into the living room, and asks ed if he wants anything from the shop he wants a cornetto and ed says cornetto yep. this is the first introduction of cornettos into the what will become the cornetto trilogy this is the strawberry cornetto film red for blood hot fuzz is regular traditional cornetto because the wrapper is blue for the police and then world's end is mint cornetto green for aliens anyway if sorry for spoilers if you haven't seen it world's end so he does that same walk to the store and he sees all of the same people, but as zombies. The only one he doesn't see is the guy who was in a suit behind him in the convenience store, but he's going to come up in yeah. just a second. So he walks back to the apartment. He goes inside, sits on the couch. They turn on the TV. And this is where we get the TV montage of like, dead excited to meet you. It's panic on the streets of London. It's basically every channel they change still tells the story, but it's a different channel. I love this so much. Just from like an editing standpoint, yeah. putting that yeah. shit together would have taken so long. I've had to do <laughs> stuff like that. And you have to like watch so much footage the worst yeah anyway so like i loved what they put into this man it was so good well and and the trick that they have of it is they're using fake newscasters yeah. for parts of it or they're taking like bbc shows that they would have had access to to get clips so they are engineering kind of what the clips say uh so which makes it a little bit easier but to make it look that seamless is very cool yes so ed is looking outside sean joins him at the window because there's a girl in the garden so they go outside, they try to talk to her. Son of a bitch, I love this part so much. She turns, and again, they think that she's super drunk. Yeah. And she kind of shambles towards Sean, and it makes it pretty clear that she's going to try and bite him. She's kind of attacking him. And so Sean basically tells Ed to go get help. Ed goes inside to get something. Well, and she's on top of him on the like on the ground. Yeah. He's like fighting her off of him. Yeah. And he comes <laughs> out there with a camera. A disposable camera, which he then shoots right as Sean kind of turns her head. They push her back. They realize that her eyes are a little bit off. They accidentally knock her back onto a post 
in the yard, <laughs> which goes through her abdomen. Yeah, when she stands up after that, I was like, oh, that's a cool shot. It was done really well. Because cool. you can see Sean and Ed through her stomach hole. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's really well done. I like this a lot. So she stands up and kind of shambles towards them. And my favorite part of the scene is that Ed then winds the film in the camera yeah. as if he's <laughs> going to take another photo. <laughs> and then Sean smacks it away. Yeah. Yeah. So great. And he says, I think we should go back inside. Because uh, they realize there's now another one in the backyard. Yeah. So they go inside. 911's busy. Are they still out there? Yes, because they're clawing at the window. <laughs> I love those reveals though And they do this a bunch But like he like Opens the blinds And they're just there Like touching the window And then he closes them And you stop hearing them Yes yeah. I don't know why It's so funny to me But it's so funny to me My It's it's pretty funny also In this next scene Where they're like What do we do I don't know Have a sit down And they just like Sit on the couch <laughs> And they're just like If we ignore it It goes away Yeah It's what you tend to do With problems in your 20s Yeah Or, or in life <laughs> In life Yeah I mean yeah I think I've gotten better At addressing the problems Later in life It's like a thing I've learned to do better what they forgot is that they left the door open again or rather Sean did as he came back from the store yeah. how could you forget during a zombie apo- and you like at least check the doors after you fight zombies yes. in the backyard yeah I don't think they think it's zombies just yet that's true I, I think they think that people are just attacking them and they're not sure why the lady stood up with a hole in her stomach that's true that's fair but also PCP <laughs> I think it's this next one that really proves to them it's zombies. And it's pretty reminiscent of like in Night of the Living Dead when Ben goes out and fights those two zombies outside and Barbara's inside and the other zombie comes through the back door. It's a very similar setup to that scene, but it's the zombie in the tuxedo from the store right. who comes back in. Now, what you can't see in the original scene with him not a zombie standing behind Sean in the store is that he is also missing an arm in that scene and they've shot it so that Sean is covering it. Really? Yes, because that actor does not have an arm. Oh, wow. Oh. Okay. Yes. Awesome. And so when he when he walks into their house, one of the first lines they say is, oh, he's got an arm off, which <laughs> is very fun. Yes. But they throw everything within reach at him. It doesn't do anything. Ed grabs their heavy glass ashtray and gets him just square between the eyes, literally busting his head open. Yeah. Then we get more of the TV report that says, in almost all cases, they are slow and shambling. And the reason it says in almost all cases is a reference to 28 Days Later, which came out not <laughs> long before this. So they're sitting there now covered in blood. And Ed just says, did you see his head go? <laughs> and basically decides at that point that they can take them. Yeah. Like they're going to try and beat these zombies. Doesn't the news anchor also say to kill them, you have to remove the head or destroy the brain? Yeah. Well, what happens is the glass from the back shatters because they're now trying to get into the house. Yeah. And they hear the reporter say you can you can incapacitate them by removing the head and destroying the brain. That's what it is. Yeah. That's from Dawn, though, right? That is from Dawn, yeah. yeah. They grab a box of household items to throw. So I like Romero's Dawn, like Dawn and Day, Todd, because it's Walking Dead, but better. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say that. Because mm -hmm. it's like the zombies are slow and easy to kill. There's just a lot of them. But it really gives you that opportunity of like, oh, people are real shitty to each other. And like that's where it yeah. all starts with that. 
Yeah. Yep. I mean, I've only seen Night of the Living Dead of Romero, yeah. so I don't know. Wait, didn't we do Day of the Dead? You guys did the the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, that's what it was. So we did the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Which is completely different from the original. Is it? Okay. I think Fast Zombies really takes out what is the heart of the zombie genre. I'm going to say this. This is Zombie Month, which is like the people are the actual monsters. And yeah. I think Walking Dead, you know, hammers you in the fucking face with this over and over again, like actually saying it out loud. But like a good zombie film, is like you can learn something and get around it but like people will like actively try to get you at least the romero zombie movies are like that yeah well yeah i think the other thing fast versus slow is that with slow at a certain point even though they're slow they are overwhelming yes and yeah. there's something ominous about they don't ever give up they're just always out there banging on your window see that's something i kind of like about fast zombies like the slow ones yeah they never get up give up but the fast ones you have the real disturbing imagery of somebody moving in a way that seems normal but having no care or concern for their personal safety kind of like train to busan like those fast zombies yeah. are real unnerving yeah what do you think is the scariest zombie like if we were gonna have to live through a zombie outbreak what would be your oh my god i hope they're not like this movie's zombies um controversial statement i know it's not officially a zombie movie but the crazies because you guys watch The Crazies, right? Is that the one with Timothy Oliphant? Yes. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Yeah, that's more of a, like a viral type thing too, right? Yeah, and, and they're not zombies, sort of. But it's this idea of people with all of their mental faculties coming to get you and then the government just nuking it from above. The worst zombies would be Return of the Living Dead because they're fast and smart. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, those motherfuckers can set traps. There's nothing more terrifying than a well-educated zombie. You sound exactly like a politician. <laughs> I'm saying the quiet part loud, Mikey. <laughs> Controversial statement. That's what the purge is. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, 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 we need to do another purge because I am feeling it, man. I'm feeling it, too. I'm ready to go back. So <laughs> they bring a box of household items to throw. It's mainly records. It is like, no, the first box is like, yeah, your oh, junk the records drawer. are the second box. I forgot yeah. about that because they have like toasters and they have like yeah. Yeah. whiffs yeah. and shit. Like, oh, my God, it's so ridiculous. Well, and there's silverware is, yeah. is really funny. The, the toaster is hilarious because it just bounces right off that guy's head. Uh, yeah. But then they get the album because and it's because Ed finds the electro album in the yard whips it at the big zombie and it like sticks in the guy's head yeah but it's the second album i have a ball uh so then they get the the record box but then they're debating which records they can throw and which they can keep i love this and my so favorite much. is they go through prints and they're like okay purple rain no and they get to the Batman soundtrack, yeah. and that's the one they Toss throw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they throw Dire Straits, and then they, I think they throw Sade because it was Liz's. I don't remember which one it is, but uh, he, like Nick Frost is like he says the name of the album, and, and then Sean goes, "I don't know, I just like it." Yeah, <laughs> I like it. So he then says, "Fuck this, I'm going to the shed." He breaks into the shed. They emerge with a cricket bat and a shovel. Oh shit! I love that cricket bat. I love that this first section where they're beating zombies to death, it takes them a while. And you can yeah. see on their faces that they're like, I don't want to have to be doing this. But like <laughs> we've all beat something and had that face. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like afterwards you feel like just <laughs> honestly, just like ashamed a little bit, Mikey, but also proud, like a shameful pride. <laughs> so we cut back inside where they're sitting and Sean's having a cup of tea and Ed's having a Cornetto. 
and this is the second place we get you've got red on you yeah except this time it's blood and they're watching the news and the news is like you gotta isolate people who've been bit completely and they remember from the night before that pete got bit so they're calling for him at the bottom of the stairs he's not answering but his keys are still there but they decide that they don't think he's in they think he already went to work and it's fine so they then decide that they have to come up with a plan they're going to go get his mom pick up Liz, and then try and get to the Winchester. And this is a kind of a fun plan montage uh, of like the few different plans they come up with and then the one that they settle on. Yeah. I think the first plan was just to go to Liz's and like hide out there. And then they keep tacking on things and they're like, well, let's just go to the Winchester, which is them sort of like deciding what they're going to do every night and they end up at the Winchester. I really like that like juxtaposition between what they're going to do on a regular day and then now that they know it's a zombie apocalypse, they're like, let's just do the same thing. They're still going to do it. Yeah. I don't know if I want to talk about this now or later. Here's the one thing about this movie that drives me bonkers. Okay. It's that Liz's apartment is on the second story and they should have just stayed there. And you have to be buzzed in and it's like very secure. If they all would have just stayed there, it would have been fine. And it really annoys me. Yeah. And the Winchester is a terrible place to go. It's got a lot of glass windows. Like, it's the worst place to be. So, like, Sean is celebrated as like, oh, at least he did something. He made a plan or whatever. But everybody was actually right about just staying at Liz's place. I agree with you. And so, like, it's just another reason to break up with Sean. (laughs) (laughs) You're being such a David right now, Mikey. Like, we get it. (laughs) You're in love with Liz. We get it. So, they do call Sean's mom to kind of give her a heads up that they're coming. And this is where we find out that his stepdad, Philip, has been bit. I love this so much because the mom, Barbara, of course, is talking about how they were attacked and they were quite bitey, which I thought was funny. Quite bitey. (laughs) Sean is like, oh my God, mom, were you bit? And she's like, no, 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 no. But your stepfather was. And he goes, oh, okay. (laughs) And then then Nick Frost walks up and he goes, "Uh, we may have to kill my stepdad. He goes, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't ma- phase them at all. But then he grabs the phone and Nick Frost screams into the phone, we're coming to get you, Barbara. I love that. <laughs> I literally <laughs> laughed out loud. And that's one of those jokes I would not have necessarily got. I probably would have laughed because it's delivered in a funny way. But man, that's so funny. Yep. So they solidify their plan. They stand up and say, how's that for a slice of fried gold and clang weapons. And now they're about to leave except they're looking out the door to try and see if there's zombies outside and they don't want to call them zombies, which again is a night of the living dead nod that doesn't call them zombies, but they keep avoiding using the word zombie through most of this movie. We're not using the Zed word. Yeah, not the Zed word, Uh, but Sean has to pee first. So he goes upstairs to the bathroom and just like in the earlier scene where he adjusted the mirror and Pete was behind him, <laughs> he adjusts that mirror and Pete is behind him in the shower. Yeah. And he is, uh, very naked. much a zombie. Oh, zombie. And naked. <laughs> naked zombie. So Sean runs and Ed says, Pete would hate that I was driving his car. And Sean's like, I don't think he's going to care. <laughs> because Cause Pete is dead. They run out to the car. As they're getting there, uh, they get hit in the head with a soccer ball from the zom- zombie soccer kid. Yeah. Who they do go a little light on the zombie. They don't hit him. They don't kill him. They just kind of shove him back. Yeah, they push him. <laughs> I would have yeah. killed him. Which I thought, I was like, man, if this was Mikey, Mikey would have like cold cocked that child to death. You got to do an uppercut on the uh, cricket bat. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you're trying to knock the head off. Like, it's a real sticky wicket. At least the jaw, like disarmament. Yeah. <laughs> I like how removing the jaw is disarming. That's great. So they get into the car 
And as they do, zombies start to surround them, including Nelson from the corner store who has his hand out as if he's asking for the remaining money that Uh, Sean didn't leave. (laughs) They drive through the streets. They see a zombie body bag moving. They see zombies in a field and they hit somebody. I love this. Well, one of my favorite parts of this is they say, did we hit somebody or someone? Oh, yeah. And then they back up. The idea of like a body or a person. (laughs) And they back up and just lean out the window and just say like, hello, you all right? And his leg is bent the wrong direction. (laughs) Like, he's not all right. Yeah, he's truly fucked. He's like really messed up. But he lifts his head. Turns out he's a zombie. And Sean just says, thank God for that. And then they just keep driving. Where it's like, oh, good. He was dead anyway. I love I would have felt guilty. Yeah, if he had not already been a zombie. Mm-hmm. But he's fully undead. It's fine. Oh, yeah. We get a close-up <laughs> of a lookout sign. It's like a neighborhood watch sign with meerkats on it. <laughs> and they are all over North London. But within seconds of that frame, there's also a shot of four zombies standing together in the same formation as the meerkats. Really? I missed that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> It's so fun to look for. (laughs) Paige's commentary track gets me again. I know. It's so good. So they get to his mom's house. Ed's going to stay with the car. And he says, don't forget to kill Philip. And then he slips but then gets into the house. I do want to point out that Ed also like is in love with Philip's car. Yeah, the Jag. And is like, hey, can we can we take the Jag? And he's like, no, we can't drive the Jag. He'll lose his mind or whatever. Yeah, I love what I love what Ed does to be able to drive the Jag. So Sean goes inside. His mom says, you've got red on you. Yeah. And this is where he's trying to talk her into just coming with him alone and just leaving Philip and not having to kill Philip because Philip is still alive. Right. He hasn't gone through the change. Right. Puberty. Right. His mom is just like, well, I made sandwiches. <laughs> and when they ask Philip about it, he's like, I ran it under a cold tap, which is very funny as well. <laughs> just to like, ran water over it. It's fine. But... They end up bringing Philip along with them. And when they go outside, they find that Ed has crashed Pete's car. Yeah. Even though he was parked. And he's like, well, yeah, I guess we'll have to take the Jag. And as they're debating it, more zombies come at them and bite Phil again multiple times. Like in the neck. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's going to kill him. Yeah, he gets fucked up in this one. Yeah. Yes. So uh, they hop into the car. The radio is blaring. Barbara asks Ed to turn it down. And he's like, I'm sorry, Barbara. (laughs) Just kind of like lightly turns it down. (laughs) They drive to Liz. Which again, and I have this in my notes, second floor, they could have just stayed. And it's locked if you buzzed in. Yeah. And and there's a balcony that he has to climb to get there. So like it's not even easy to get up to. Yeah. So they he gets up into their apartment. There, there's a lot of debate, specifically with Dabs, because he he doesn't want to do anything Sean wants to do because he's in love with Liz and Ugh, he's the worst. It's a whole thing for him. Yeah. So they all did. He it talks them all into it. They eventually decide to go. They all pile into the Jaguar where Liz finally gets to meet his mom and they're just mowing zombies down radio blaring. Man, I love when they leave Liz's place and they're just like hacking away at people running back to the Jaguar. Yeah. I don't know why I love that so much, but it is just like Sean running around with his cricket bat destroying domes. It was so funny. Well, what's really funny is that because he only gets one shot at each of them. Yeah. It just kind of knocks them away for a second and then they wander back, which is really funny to watch as they like the zombies behind them as they run that they just kind of like, whoa, like they change direction (laughs) and then they come back. Yeah. So in the car, 
Phil, his stepdad, is dying. And he chooses those last moments to apologize to Sean, which is very, very it was sad. Very sweet. Got me, man. I was so sad in this moment. I was like, yeah. oh. We get it, Todd. You got stepfather issues. <laughs> My current stepdad is great. My last stepdad was horrible, but it was just a sad moment between, you know, you sort of fight with your parents. That's like a normal thing you do in adolescence. And I just thought it was sweet that he chose his last moments to try and do what he could to make it right. Except it was Sean's fault. Yes. No, it was. I think Sean was rebelling against his stepdad oh, yeah. because, you know, you're not my real dad or whatever, like that whole trope, right? But his stepdad also sort of does take some ownership of that negative relationship because he was trying to be like the strong figure for Sean. Yeah, to push him because he needed yeah motivation. Exactly. And it just like he acknowledges that that may have not have been the best tactic. He could have if he would have done it differently. He, You know, he would have done it differently. But, you know, you can't go back. So he's just like sort of apologize. It was really sweet. I liked it a lot. The way you ramble about this for five minutes definitely shows me that you don't have any stepfather issues. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I will say one of the things that we kind of learn. (laughs) One of the things we learn in the scene is that Sean's dad died when he was about 12. And that's kind of influenced the relationship between him and Phil. But as Phil dies, he has them stop the car and he basically tells them that Philip's gone. And Barbara's like, no, he's not. He's right there. (laughs) And they turn and he is full zombie. Yeah. So they all scramble out of the car. They lock him in because there's child locks on the back of the Jaguar. And as they're running, they see they watch as he climbs through the back seat to the front seat to turn the music off. <laughs> just just as Sean is saying, there's nothing left of your husband in that car. And then he turns the music yeah, off. It's so good. They keep moving. They walk through back alleys and backyards and they encounter another group of survivors. This is the other spaced group. But the funniest part about them is that each character matches costumes. Yeah, like they're they're wearing the same thing. Yeah, it's like they've got one of each of all of their archetypes as they pass, which <laughs> yeah. is very fun. And we find out that they are trying to make their way to a military safe zone while Sean's group is trying to make their way to the Winchester. Yeah, one of those plans sounds great. Well, and she she questions it. She's like, the pub? Well, all right, have fun. <laughs> like, okay. Mikey, if I ran into you and you were like, hey, I'm trying to go to Buffalo Wild Wings during the zombie apocalypse, and I was trying to go to like this safe area, I'd be like, Mikey, no, you cannot go <laughs> i'd be like it's 60 cent boneless wings it's a wednesday that's a wing stop thing uh, well yeah. still i mean the, the narrative holds though like mikey's really yes. into thighs ladies i i do like nice legs i mean that's yeah. fine N- nothing wrong with legs legs drumsticks breasts uh, i'm into all kinds of chicken meat yeah i like a full chicken i don't know where this joke's going maybe like i like him as a person i like the, <laughs> the chicken personality <laughs> i just want to fertilize eggs and chew bubble gum i'm all out of bubble gum alexa order more bubble gum <laughs> <laughs> so these jokes are terrible. as they're making their way through <laughs> as they're making their way through the backyards Sean is like, oh, what? You never heard of a shortcut and tries to jump a fence and fails. Holy shit. I love that so much. It's so fucking funny. Well, it's a call. I'll call it a call forward to the shot in Sean yeah. of the Dead or in uh, Hot, Hot Fuzz. Fuzz yeah. where Hot Fuzz. He does like six fences in a row. But he nails them in Hot Fuzz, right? Like he. It's a bunch of stunt doubles so that every person only has to jump one fence. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. It's so good. So as they're going through one of the yards, Barbara notices a house and she says, I think Jill and Derek live around here. 
and a man in his pajamas comes to the glass door. Everyone kind of tumbles into the next yard. Meanwhile, Barbara's not with them. So Sean goes back a yard to find her. She's on the ground and the man in pajamas attacks him and they fall through the fence where he then impales him with a tetherball pole. Yes. Meanwhile, Barbara, and you can kind of see it at this point, she's like tucking a napkin into her sleeve because she has been bit and mm. she isn't telling anybody. Yeah, she's hiding it. Yes. Just like a Barbara. Which also informs your theory from Night of the yeah. Dead page. That's that's all I thought about. How you think Barbara was bitten way at the very beginning of the movie and she's just slowly tur- turning into a zombie. Yeah. All I thought about the whole time. Yep. So Sean goes to check and see if the coast is clear. But no, there's like so many zombies. <laughs> I love that because he climbs up on top of the slide. Look, comes back down. Is it clear? And he's just like, no. <laughs> no. And so they decide that they're going to try and fool the zombies by acting like zombies. And die. their friend who's an actress or aspiring actress, I should say, uh, is going to give them notes on how to act like zombies. So Liz does it. And then my favorite is she looks at Barbara and just says, fantastic. And she just goes, what do you have miles away? Yeah, <laughs> like I love I that. wasn't even paying attention. She was talking about how you should have like a vacant stare. And yeah, yeah, I love that so much. So and they get all the way down to Sean, who again does bub from dawn and day. I love when it gets to Ed. He's like, I'll do it on the night. I'll do it on the night. And they're like, no, yeah, and do he's it like, now. It is the night. Yeah, tonight's the night. And then he's like, uh, will you do it, Sean? And he does that impression. He's like. All right, shit, that was good. That was pretty good. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I love that so much. Uh, So they do pretend to be zombies. They make their way across the street. They get across the street to the Winchester, but the doors are closed. They're trying to call through the door. No one answers. Ed answers his mobile phone. Uh, He answers Noodle is calling. Noodle, by the way, is Noel from 4E Electric. So it's it's Rafe Spall's character that's allegedly calling him to see if he's holding because Ed is his drug dealer. Oh, I didn't realize it was the same character. That's amazing. Okay. And it's it's a callback to characters from Spaced uh, where it's E-Balls e said you were holding. E-Balls is Edgar Wright. And then Noodle is Noel. So the zombies have spotted them. And Dav, in a panic, breaks through the window. So Sean has to lead all the zombies around the back to distract them so that they can climb in through the window. And they don't close that window off for a while, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Because they don't want to do it until Sean comes back so he can get back in. And Davs is being a dick about it. Yeah. Um, But Sean makes it back just in time to catch the bag of hog lumps after the bag of twiglets. Because if you know you're spaced, he doesn't eat twiglets because they make him violent. He (laughs) says that he gave them the slip and they decide that they're going to basically hole up in the Winchester. So they kind of barricade the window, although we don't see it. We just cut to the next scene that's already done. Yeah, and there's shit piled there. Yeah, you just assume they did it. Right. And the street lights come on, which means that the grid isn't down. It's just the breakers for the bar. Yeah. So he's going to go back and see if he can check the main breaker. And he does only to find out that there's a whole bunch of zombies at the back door. And there are other doors that have zombies behind them also. Yeah. Well, because the owner of the pub that like lives there, I guess, or at least was like right there because he works there, I guess, but he was in like the office area locked in there as a zombie, as a zombie. Yeah. So there's nothing on TV. They can't find any stations playing anything. Uh, And Ed borrows a quarter or a quid from Liz to play what is essentially like digital Plinko. Yes. And it's so loud. It's so Uh, loud. It's so dumb. 
It's the worst move, Mikey. I'd murder him. Is that weird <laughs> to say? No. Well, it, it happens also right as Sean is like, hey, they followed me, so we got to be extra quiet. Yeah. And then it hits. Yeah. So as the noise crescendos and it's clear that the zombies have noticed, Sean puts his hand on Liz's shoulder. John, <laughs> Ed puts his hand on Barbara's shoulder. And then John puts his hand on Ed's shoulder, <laughs> who is the bartender. Yeah. And they turn around because now they got to fight him. And as they do, they bump into the jukebox, which plays... Don't, Don't Stop, Stop Me, me now, now by Queen. I <laughs> love that song so much. I mean, I love most of the Queen songs so much, but this one's especially good. Well, and they discuss what weapons they should use. They still think the rifle's not real. They do discuss Molotov cocktails, which will come into play later. Yeah, they make one later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they decide on pool cues and send Dab to get the fuses. So as they're beating up the bartender with pool cues, in tune to the music. Well, in tempo, yeah, because they're like every other, like, don't stop me now because I'm no, having yep. a good time. Like, on the beat, they're, like, hitting him. It's so funny. As the beat changes, their hitting pattern changes. Yeah. And that took, like, a ton of takes to get. I but bet they it do did. get it. Yep. I feel so bad for that actor who was just getting beat up by, what well, I'm sure they weren't real pool cues, but still, right. I mean, that would hurt after a while. You're, like, on take 13, and you're like, guys, Come on, please get it right. It's on the ones and the threes. Yeah, uh, it's so easy. We cut back to the fuses where Dabs is trying to turn the power back on and he's flicking the fuses in tune I to know, the music. I know, and the lights are strobing in <laughs> tempo with the yes. song. Oh my uh. God, it's so good. Uh, so they break a pool cue and as he's trying to wrestle with John the bartender, Di starts throwing darts trying to hit so the bartender funny. oh my god but ends up hitting sean in the head who he then has to pull it out and you get like a little like spurt of blood but as that happened ed retrieves the gun and tosses it to sean who bludgeons the bartender with it and then as soon as the bartender's dead the gun goes off they didn't think it was loaded the whole time but they find like essentially shells they reload it yeah. and he gives them a speech from the back of a beer coaster which i think is pretty fun <laughs> they don't know that at the time though yeah. They don't know Only it at Liz the time. knows because she's sick of oh. his shit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They basically get prepared to take on the zombies outside. Liz takes Barbara to the side and she says, would you like to come with me? And then Barbara says, that would be lovely. Just like in Night of the Living yeah. Dead. It's, it's a direct lift from there as well. It's so great. So as they're sitting there, Barbara tries to give her a necklace because she knows that she's probably going to die. And she tells Liz and she says that she didn't want to say anything because she thought it would make them worried. But as that happens, the zombies break through. Yeah. They cock the rifle and they start shooting zombies as they come in. But they only have 29 shells. And they're terrible shots. Like they're all bad. Yeah. Like no one knows how to shoot this rifle. Right. Right. They, they've only got enough shells for like the first wave. Oh, yeah. And there's easily 100 zombies outside. Like, yeah, this is a Band-Aid on like a stab wound. Right. They do manage to push enough of them back that they can kind of barricade again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but as they do, Barbara dies and Dav picks up the gun and he's like, we have to shoot her now. And Sean doesn't want to. And we get like a broken bottle Mexican standoff. So um, funny when Ed handed the other broken bottle. I know. Yeah. To, to, yeah. To die. Yeah. Because dies like, this is unfair. So she he breaks a bottle for her and then hands it to her and she right. holds it to Sean's neck and he goes back to holding it to David's. Yeah. It's yep. so funny. So Sean eventually takes the gun and shoots his mom and then punches David. And then David is like, well, 
fuck it, I'm leaving. And so he walks over to the window. He and Di have this kind of last minute argument before the zombies pull him out into the crowd and disembowel him in front of everybody. I'm not going to lie, man. This sort of grossed me out a little bit. It's a real, it's real rough. The gore in it's pretty brutal. And Di ends up with one of his legs, which she then uses to hit a handful of zombies as she goes into the crowd after him. And I was honestly surprised that she was like upset about this because basically he's destroyed his relationship in the last like two hours with her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I think, I don't know, man. Di knew years ago that he was in love with Liz and she was sort of fine with it. Yeah. But forever. So it's, it's still, it's not great. It's not right. a great basis for a relationship. And it's also not a great reason to run after someone. Like, I would not run. I mean, they are literally using his legs to beat back zombies. Like, he's not salvageable. No. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> Thank you, Mikey. I'm just saying, he's also kind of a dick. So, I mean, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. But this also means that we're three characters down. So, Barbara becomes a cadaver. Oh. <laughs> Dave goes to the grave and die dies. So, like they start it. to make Molotov cocktails. But Ed gets bit in the process by Peter and the bartender's wife. So, he ends up shooting Pete. Yeah. Liz and Sean get behind the bar. Ed makes it back there with them despite being losing a lot of blood because he has been bit very badly. Yeah. And Sean lights the bar on fire. So this is, again, one of those only places where they use fire to keep zombies back. Yeah. Um, now, the shells for the gun are on the bar, which means they can't get to them. But the fire ignites them and they shoot and kill a number of zombies, which can't happen. No, no, no. Fire can can let can let off uh, ammunition. It can explode them, but it can't direct them. No, they'll they'll go in random directions. Okay. Because I had somebody, I talked to somebody about this with the movie Shoot 'em Up. Have you seen the movie Shoot 'em Up? Yes. Where Clive Owen puts bullets between his fingers and then holds his hand into the fire, and then the bullets like direct hit a guy where they yeah, were like, I don't know if that's possible but i know like if there's like a hot enough fire the the bullets will go off because i thought they would just explode well when they explode the explosion is behind the bullet the actual bullet okay so when they do explode it goes off in random random spots okay okay so this is possible yeah but it's not directed like the barrel of the gun would direct it right i don't think like clive owen with like the lighter behind his fingers can it has got to be it's got to be really hot Well, because he's holding it in a fireplace, just like hand fireplace, and it fires all of those. I need to see the Mythbusters. I know like a big explosion ammunition can keep going off and people have to take cover and stuff. Yeah. Uh, So the shells hit people. I mean, it saves their life because there's a zombie who's like climbing behind the bar to get them. And it gets her between the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. They go down into the cellar, but Ed is dying and they think that they're going to die too. And so they do contemplate how many shells they have left and whether or not they should use them on each other. And Ed volunteers to be eaten until they start talking about their relationship. And then he's like, I've changed my mind. I would like to be shot. Uh, (laughs) I love that so much. It was so funny. They go to have one last cigarette together. And as Sean turns on the lighter, he realizes that they're sitting on a lift that will take them to the street. So Ed tells them to go on without him because he'll only hold them back. They give him the gun and Sean apologizes to him for the argument they had earlier. And Ed says, I'm sorry. No. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> and it's a big old fart. So <laughs> ridiculous. I'll stop doing them when you stop laughing. He gives him one last cigarette as the zombies break through. Sean grabs an axe and he and Liz take the lift up to the street. 
And Liz says, I love you. And he says, cheers. And then Sean says, I love you. And he responds with a slur. Yeah. But the implication being like, you're you're kind of a pussy. <laughs> but also, I think he also loves him back. Yeah, he does. He just can't say it because, you know. He can't say machismo it. Machismo or whatever. Yeah patriarchy yeah <laughs> yeah they emerge onto the street only to have the armed forces show up and shoot everything revealing that the other group they crossed paths with made it yeah and she's there with a golf club and is like oh it's just the two of you thank god someone got out yeah and this gives us another one so ed is dead yes liz lives and sean goes on so you get the rhyme of all of their names uh. so they hold hands as they walk toward the army trucks, and we cut to what looks to be, like, I think it's a year later, yeah, I think give so. or take. Yeah. And we get a news montage where now there's, like, reality shows about zombies. There's a number of different, like, theories of what happened. One of them is Rage Monkeys, but it gets dismissed, but that's the 28 Days Later one. I loved the one of the zombies, like they were trying to like reach the meat and they were like, yeah. in, yes, they were in their own lanes and it was like soapy and stuff. It was like one of those like perfect. It's like Wipeout. Yeah, I was going to say it was sort of like Wipeout. And I love, I love Wipeout. In fact, there was a, a show that was just canceled because it was sort of like Wipeout, but there was like a diarrhea outbreak. Guys, Google it. It's wild. But like, they're not going to show it. Up. I think it was NBC. They like canceled the whole thing because a bunch of people got really sick because the water had like listeria or something. Yeah, it in was it. something bad. Oh man. Anyway, but it's like that. It's so funny. And if if 2020 showed me anything, it's that this is exactly how the Earth would deal with this. <laughs> yeah. 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 One of my favorites is the cut to Trisha, who's like the Maury of the UK, and she's like, "It's still my husband. I still love him." And she goes, "You go to bed with it," and then. I'm just cuts away oh no not before the person who's saying that says of course i do if you're watching <laughs> the subtitles she? oh yeah if you're watching it with subtitles she does respond with of course i do and i was like <laughs> oh she's getting like that dead dick no <laughs> sorry that undead dick yes so we... <laughs> it's that rigor mortis you know <laughs> he's out here popping z cards uh, <laughs> reference your joke from last week mikey oh he's gonna break off that day that's all i got i'm done for the episode <laughs> all right so sean gets up in the morning again looking kind of zombie-esque but the flat's clean it's now him and liz's flat and they relax on the couch to plan kind of a boring day of going to the pub. And he says he's going to pop into the garden for a bit. And he does go out to the shed where he has kept Ed and they still play video games together. Player two has entered the game. Now, okay, yep. before you end the movie, um, sure. it seems like he has not changed that much in this year. No, and it seems like she's just sort of okay with the life that is set up in the beginning that she does not want to have. So let's talk about trauma bonding. Yes. <laughs> let's let's talk about that. That is not a healthy basis of a full relationship. No, I, I think A, we're dealing with trauma bonding. I think B, I think Ed was a big part of the problems of their relationship. Yes. And C, I feel like she got a taste for adventure and was like, I'm good. <laughs> like, kind of like all of us in pandemic who were like, you know what? I used to complain about the food at Denny's, but I'd give anything to sit in a Denny's again. Like, yo, I like Denny's. <laughs> I like Denny's. Denny's at like two in the morning. I would put a grand slam down at 2 a.m. That's when Paige and I became best friends. That is where Mikey and I became best friends. And that's the movie. That was the most drawn out one of those we've done. Yeah, we're just going to have like a three hour episode that's only us saying, and that's the movie. It's going to take forever. <laughs> All right, so having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think seeing it this time? 
I love this movie. It's it's one of my favorites. It's so much fun. I honestly, of the three, I think Hot Fuzz is my favorite, but this is a close second. Hot Fuzz is my favorite, but I've only seen Hot Fuzz and At World's End. I'd never seen this one that I can remember. I would rank them personally, Hot Fuzz, this, then At World's End last. That would be me too. At World's End is not bad. It's just not as good. Yeah. Well, and it's much later, and I will talk about that a little bit later in Fun Facts as to how... That happens because it has a different writer and a couple other things, too. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But, I mean, I love this movie. I will definitely watch this movie again. It's not at all scary. Like, it it is a horror movie because it's a zombie movie. It is more a rom-com than it is a horror. So, like, I'm here for this movie. I loved it. Sort of like Warm Bodies. Like, I actually saw Warm Bodies in the theater. Loved it. I love that book. And they set it up for sequels. And he never wrote them. Oh, really? Yeah. Anyway, we should do Warm Bodies either on this podcast or Romancing the Pod. Let's save it for October and Romancing the Pod and do like scary romance. That'd be super fun. I love Sean Boone. I think it's like I can I can watch it anytime. I think it's one of my favorite meta horror films. And I'm not surprised you love it. I, I And I love the zombie subgenre anyway. And I loved the Walking Dead comics. I did not like the show as much as the comics. The show is terrible. I, I mean... I like the show for, I want to say, like, the first two seasons. The first season is great because it's short and it is dark. Oh, bro. It becomes a soap opera after the first season. It's unwatchable. The comic books, and I know that this is not making me sound great, but, like, the comic books were so good and so much better written. Agreed. All right. So, do you want to do some fun facts for us, Paige? Yes. Hit us with your fun facts. Zombie Zombie fun facts. facts. Mm, facts. Facts. So, George Romero, uh, creator of Night of the Living Dead and the other Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, etc., was so impressed with this movie that he has Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright cameo in Land of the Dead as zombies. Oh, that's amazing. And what a great, like, honor that, I mean, that would be amazing to be asked to do that. Well, I mean, not in the 2000s. I mean, it was Yeah, like, not Land of the Dead. Yeah, no, yeah. but, you know. Oh, was it not good? It's not. It's my favorite zombie movie with John Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite John Leguizamo movie is definitely Super Mario Brothers. Oh, jeez. Well, I love that Super Mario Brothers it's movie. It's so amazingly bad. Anyway, we'll move on. We'll have to put it in the all the other words in the P word. What's your P word shaking at you movie-wise? Yeah. So... <laughs> During the scene when Nick Frost yells, we're coming to get you, Barbara, George Romero did not remember that that was a line from his own movie and only found out later after calling Edgar Wright to congratulate him on how much he liked the movie. That's wild. I mean, I'll say this, though. (laughs) People will tweet at me quotes that I've said in previous episodes, and I'm like, shit, that's hilarious. Who said that? And they're like, you said it in this episode. And I'm like, well, I don't find it nearly as funny anymore, but thank you for letting me know. <laughs> I don't even, some people have like put in my DMs and they're like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, because it literally is like, these are conversations we had two years ago. I don't remember what I said. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't even listen to podcasts. It, it is, as you say, a dying medium. It's a dying medium. It's not, but okay. Businesses are looking to spend $1.33 billion in ads and podcasts this year, up from $850 million last year, Mikey. Okay, well, what's the police budget for uh, LA? <laughs> it's like one 660th of that budget, so whatever. But you're comparing apples to a police department. Yeah. 
As in literally the Apple podcast app to the police department. So when asked by an interviewer why they chose to have slow moving zombies instead of fast zombies, because remember, this comes out just about a year or so after 28 Days Later, Simon Pegg simply replied, quote, because death is not an energy drink, (laughs) which makes no sense. It doesn't mean anything, but they're just like, yeah, fuck you. We wanted slow zombies. That makes sense, though. Yep. When Sean is exiting the corner shop, the radio is playing Indian songs and the newscaster begins to speak in Hindi. And if you translate it, it says people are waking up from their graves. <laughs> so it's it's kind of like the beginning of the thing where like it's in Norwegian. And if you spoke Norwegian, you would know. So when Sean is heading into the shop for the first time in English, there's a radio broadcast that mentions a space probe that re-entered Earth's atmosphere and broke up over England. I did not hear that, but that's just like Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> but that's a reference to Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Awesome. So when they were writing this movie, or rather right after, before they had come up with the idea of her hot fuzz, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright considered writing a sequel that would replace zombies with a different monster, but they decided against it and opted to go for Hot Fuzz instead, and they wanted this to be a standalone movie. And also they thought that too many characters had died to truly continue the story. But the proposed title was From Dusk Till Sean. Oh, oh, I love it. The movie never gets made. But in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, you can see a poster for From Dusk Till Sean in the background. Oh my God, I love it. Okay, that's amazing. So Simon Pegg is one of the writers of the movie. He based his friendship his character's friendship with ed in this movie on his friendship with nick frost because they used to be roommates and they met in a pub they were regular attendees of a thursday night quiz which is why in the movie when they're trying to get into the winchester they say it's us and ed we do the quiz and it's because (laughs) that's how they met and end up sharing a flat together i'll talk about that a little bit more later but nick frost kept his genitals shaved throughout the production so that he would scratch more often because he thought Ed would. There's also a couple scenes where you see the back of his head and there's just a chunk of hair shaved out of it. There is. And it's just because he thought the character would do that. (laughs) That's funny. I love that so much. According to Edgar Wright, the reason that Cornettos appear in this movie and others is because one time he ate one after a hangover. So he thought it'd be funny to just include it in this movie. And then they do a joke about it in Hot Fuzz to reference it. But then when they start planning World's End, now they're like, well, we got to call our trilogy something. It's the Cornetto trilogy. And of course, they have that in that movie as well. Yep, they do. So let's talk about how Spaced happens, which then causes this movie to happen so back in the day simon Pegg, jessica stevenson are improv comedians together they also do stand-up but they have kind of a sketch comedy thing going they managed to get a development deal with channel four that's like deep in the bbc deep in the bbc it's it's the fx channel yeah so it's like always sunny has very similar origin stories on the american side so it's espn ate the ocho like that's what it is yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. so Chan- channel four and they partner with and at the time pretty much unknown director a guy who had been making his living directing music videos and commercials 
and that is Edgar Wright. Part of the reason he had gotten so much work de- like directing music videos is because he was currently dating one of the guitarists from the band Ash, which is not popular in the US, very popular in the UK. And so there is a music video featuring Noel Fielding from Mighty Boosh that is essentially the genesis of the idea for Baby Driver. Oh, really? Just tw- yeah, just 20 years before oh, Baby Driver happens. That's awesome. If, if you want, I will show it to you after we... Yeah, send me the link. I will watch that. Yeah. So they make Spaced. And Spaced is... It's one of those things that's beloved by the people who found it, but it did not see huge fame at the time. But in one of the episodes, an episode titled Art, Tim, who's Simon Pegg's character under the influence of amphetamines and Resident (laughs) Evil 2, hallucinates that he's fighting off a zombie invasion. And after that episode was filmed, Edgar Wright pitched the idea of a feature-length zombie comedy to him and Simon Pegg. So they, after wrapping Spaced, hole up in a cabin for like 30 days. What? And they basically write what is the most expensive pitch deck I have ever seen. And there used to be, and I wonder if I could find it online, a video of them presenting that pitch deck. Oh my God. And they're just like haggard because they like haven't been in regular society for like 30 days. And it's them walking through Shaun of the Dead beat by beat with a giant, like a poster board. You know, those like, those like poster board things that are flipped like a legal pad, like a giant. Legal yeah, they're pad. called easel charts. Easel charts. Yes. So they're flipping through multiple easel charts. Yeah. Going through the movie and what's going into their pitch for this movie. Nowadays, you would use PowerPoint. Uh, you'd be surprised how many screenwriters still use flip charts. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, because usually now they have post-its on the back, so you can take them off and put them up on the wall sure, and move yeah. them and arrange them. Anyway, so they managed to get the movie greenlit, but for not a lot of money. And it's largely because one producer has faith in them, and that's a woman named Nira Park. And then she goes on to produce pretty much everything else Edgar Wright ever does. So that becomes this like super lucrative partnership for both of them. Absolutely. But they had pretty much no money to make the movie. They didn't have any money for extras specifically. And so they went to the Space fan site and were like, if anyone wants to be in our movie, be here at this time, we can only pay you a dollar. Oh, my (laughs) God. So everyone in this is a Space fan? Every single zombie is a Space fan. Because there's a lot of extras in this. There's a lot of extras in this. Pretty much all the zombies are Space fans. And essentially, they got paid a dollar a day uh, for their trouble. But also, it becomes a giant meet and greet. Yeah. Because they're just like, all of the people that we love are in this. And so... So they populate the movie. The movie gets a small release in the UK that grows gradually. It it becomes a cult favorite. It hits a few festivals, but it's almost a year after its original release that it makes it to the US. And by the time it's in the US, they're already working on Hot Fuzz and trying to get the spaced DVDs cleared for the US region Because America is now seeing this movie largely with no knowledge of Spaced. Like, unless you were that nerd who was super into deep cut BBC, you don't know about it. And so a lot of the in-jokes that resound very heavily with the people that this movie was essentially made for, deaf ears in the US, but it ends up being a hit here, which then funds hot fuzz but hot fuzz gets made then edgar wright goes on to do a bunch of other stuff uh scott pilgrim gets made 
Uh, he's tied to Ant-Man and then ends up pulling out. Baby Driver goes into production and then he finally makes At World's End. But instead of writing it with Simon Pegg as he did for Hot Fuzz, he writes it with his new producing partner who made Attack the Block, okay. which then he produced. Yeah. It's a man named Joe Cornish. They also worked on Ant-Man together and then they go on to write At World's End. But Baby Driver is the only one that's written by Edgar Wright solo. Uh, if you know, Scott Pilgrim's written by Michael Bacall, who goes on to do 21 and 22 Jump Street. I think Baby Driver is his worst film. It's my favorite. I hate how that movie ends in a way that is. Yeah, I don't like I don't love the ending either, but its incorporation of music into action no. is unprecedented Todd, and amazing. I love like 80% of that film was like, this is so creative. This is so yeah. original. Blah, blah, blah. And then the way it ends, I was just like, I hate this. Well, I think part of the problem with Baby Driver is everyone is expecting. At that point, everyone thinks Edgar Wright is a comedy director. And he is not. He is a style director. Yeah. And that's why all of his writing partners are comedians. Like Joe Cornish is a comedian. Michael Bacall is a comedy writer. Simon Pegg is a comedian. So that's where the funny in a lot of his movies comes from. And that's why with Baby Driver, when it's just him, you don't really get that. You get all style. Yeah. So whenever you go to see something that's just Edgar Wright, like I would say for uh, his new one, uh, One Night in Soho, expect style. That's what you're going to see. Just style. If it's something with him and a co-writer, then you'll probably get a comedy of sorts. But when it's just him, it's all style. I'm here for it, though. It's great. I just hated him. going. I hated baby going to prison because he got set up. Well, he gets out of prison. Yeah. Like 15 years later. I won't I won't ever let it go. Everyone's always like, oh, it's just like drive. And I'm like, yeah, I also like drive. Oh, drive is amazing. I love drive. Yeah. Especially if you think about the fact that Ryan Gosling is like a sociopath yeah in that movie like he's a future serial killer um he is a serial killer in that movie he kills many people page yes yeah anyway those are our fun facts there's so many fun facts in this movie there are literally it's one of the longest imdb trivia pages it's like 70 pages long or something crazy what? so go and there's a bunch of behind the scenes stuff that you can watch if you want to but well think of it as amazingly curated fun facts page well let's talk box office all right so what do you think the budget for Shaun of the Dead was? And remember, it came out in 2004. I will recuse myself. Okay, so Mikey, what do you think it is? $9 million. All right, it was actually $5 million. Okay. It looks great for $5 million. It really does. Edgar Wright's a very good director. Um, so it came out on September 24th, 2004, and it was 7th in the theaters when it came out. It got beat by The Forgotten. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Of tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry, that movie is so hard to say without laughing. Ooh. Mr. 3000 was number three. Number four was Resident Evil Apocalypse. Number five was First Daughter. Number six was Suggator. And of course, seven was Shaun of the Dead. So what do you think it made in its opening weekend on September 24th, 2004? Mikey, you have a guess? In just the UK or everywhere? Actually, this is just US. Seven million dollars. Paige, do you want to venture a guess or do you already know? I, I kind of already know. All right. I will have you recuse yourself. So it was three point three million dollars in its okay. opening weekend. Remember it was seventh, so it didn't do amazing in its opening weekend. And honestly, it was only in six hundred and seven theaters, and it never gets above six seventy five in the theaters as far as its number of theaters the movie was playing in. Mm -hmm. But it did go on to make 
$13.5 million domestically, which domestically for this movie technically should be the UK. For this website that I'm using, which is the numbers.com, it is domestically is referring to the US market. Its international box office made another $16.2 million for a total of almost $30 million. It was $29.8 million. And because it's a UK-based movie, it did not track the DVD and Blu-ray sales, but I'm sure it made a lot in DVD and Blu-ray sales. But even with that almost $30 it made its budget back. Now, can you do me a favor? Because I don't think we'll ever do it on this show. Right. Can you look at Hot Fuzz? Uh, Yeah, hang on one second. So the Hot Fuzz, which came out in 2007, so just a few years later, its production Mm -hmm. budget was $16 million. And when it came out in theaters on April 20th, (laughs) 420 ladies uh 2007 it was sixth that weekend it came out uh it was beat by disturbia fracture blades of glory vacancy meet the robinsons and then of course it was number six and brought in 5.8 million dollars but its total domestic box office run was 23.6 internationally because that would include the UK market, which is I'm sure where it's, it did its best. It made $58.1 million for a total of $81.7 million. But this did track the DVD and Blu-ray sales and it made 36 extra million dollars in DVD and Blu-ray sales. So it made over $100 million if you would combine box office worldwide and DVD and Blu-ray sales. Yeah, on a on a $16 million budget. Yeah, they did pretty so, well. They made some money. Yeah. yeah, they did pretty solid. Yeah, but that's your box office. Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Scary scale, listeners, is a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found the film when we watched it at this particular moment in our lives. <laughs> our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not a scale of quality, just a scale of scary. Paige. This is a 1 for me. Todd. Same. It's a 1. It's not scary at all. I will join the rest of you in a one. In a choir of ones for Shot of the Dead. But if it was quality, I'm going to give it a 10. I love this movie. Yeah, for sure. That's the scary scale, everyone. All right. So this week, you guys made me watch Shot of the Dead. What are you guys making me watch next week? Uh, Next week, we are watching Night of the Creeps. Oh, Oh, I don't know anything about Night of the Creeps. So we wanted to try and kind of diversify some of the zombie movies because there's some big ones that everybody knows, Zombieland, but we kind of already watched Shaun of the Dead and it's kind of got similar vibes. Well, and this is not the only time we'll do a zombie month. So Absolutely. I mean, we've and, never done them before now, so who really knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you've also done a lot of scary, of the really scary zombie movies already, like 28 Days Later and Train to Busan. And so we thought, you know, we were picking this when we were watching Dream Warriors. <gasps> so we went for like crazy yeah. 80s zombies. Yeah. Oh my God, I just Googled it and Tom Atkins is like top build. That's this. why we did it. Excited. Oh my God. Oh, this is amazing. All right. So your homework for next week is to find someone who's younger than half your age plus seven. I am listening. Because <laughs> that's what Uncle Tom would do. Oh, that sounds bad. Because that's what Uncle Atkins would do. <laughs> That's what Uncle Mikey is going to do. And watch Night of the Creeps. What what is half my age plus seven? Let's, let's figure this out. 18.5 plus seven. Uh, 18. A 25.5? Well, mid-20s, ladies. Who wants to watch Night of the Creeps? Oh, jeez. Which it would be one of those nights. Because you're there and you're a creep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Oh, shit. No, I forgot. I totally did forget about this one. Well, while you're looking one up, Mikey, let me tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast, and that is to leave us a five-star text review and have 
Mikey, read it. So, Mikey, who's you going to read this week? I'm trying to see if there's another child who's making fun of you because those are my favorite ones. Yeah, that was uh, that was rough. I'm going to be honest with you. It was worse editing that part for me because <laughs> I had to listen to it again knowing the whole time I was editing that it was coming. Oh, so sad. Okay, I'm going to read Aaron Shimmerin. Shimmerin. Aaron Shimmerin. All right, so what does Aaron Shimmerin say? Uh, the title review is five stars, which I like. I do like that. Amazing podcast. Agree. Love l- listening to the three hosts banter. Oh, why? Thank you. Mikey's laugh is infectious. It is. Paige's super quick wit keeps everyone in check. <laughs> that is true. She's got those rose skills on lock. Completely relate to Todd's fear of cheap jump scares too. Yeah, it's the worst. I want to trade baking recipes with Paige. <laughs> And <laughs> me too, honestly. I just want to like sit there and benefit. I wish you lived closer, Paige. <laughs> I know. I'm going to go eat some banana bread right oh, after this. Oh, that sounds good. God. I like banana bread. I love uh, banana bread. I want to trade baking recipes with Paige and share fear of commitment stories with Mikey. Oh, I, I'm uh, Aaron Shimmer. I'm making a lot of progress in that area of my life, and I'm really proud of myself. You know, but Mikey, do- as a friend of yours who's known you for a long time, I'm proud of you too, and you'll find someone for you, Mikey. Or yes. I won't. And I'll die alone. Well, fuck that guy dark. <laughs> yeah, you should save up for your funeral then. Yeah. Because I ain't paying for that no, shit. No, the pod is not paying for that. Guys, it'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> love the thorough reviews of the movies and the tangents. Even considered becoming a patron member at the highest level, but was afraid Todd would resent me because of his negative feelings towards rich people. Hang on wow. one second. Hang on one second. Okay, wow. so... The, the top Patreon level is called the fuck you money level, and it's $1,000 a month. Nobody should do that. It's a joke that Mikey and I did. And the only perk that's different from the $50 level is simply that when we are shouting you out every week, we will say congrats okay. on winning capitalism. I will say that if that tier is ever filled, that money goes three-way split to Paige, Todd, and me every month. So that it would just be extra money for us if you guys have fuck you money. We won't even go to the podcast. It'll just be split between the three hosts evenly. <laughs> and you could do that. You could pay my electric and cable and water and other bill. What is it? I, I honestly think it's funny that that exists. That Patreon tier exists <laughs> because Mikey and I were just yes anding each other about Patreon one night and it just became a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and listen. Aaron, if you wanna if you wanna sign up at that level, I would be very very happy to congratulate you on winning capitalism. She does say comma, even though I grew up poor. Oh, smiley emoji. Good for you. Eh, okay. I mean, I grew up poor too. Like I get it. It's it's hard out here in these streets. Me too, guys. Me too. Yeah. The neighborhood pool. Oh, it wasn't as big as the neighborhood next to us. Oh my god. And that really hurt me. Oh wow. Yeah, Mikey's suburban life was so rough on him. Looking forward to more episodes of Horror Virgin Romancing the Pod. Five yeah. stars. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for that awesome five-star review. We really, really appreciate it. And if you want to have your review run of the podcast, leave us a five-star review. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley. 
on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at mrandolph24, and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horrorvirgin, where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff, like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes, where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the mm-hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things, like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horrorvirgin. We also link it like once a week, so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. And literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome. Guys, check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Nick B. Nick B. Fun fact. Oh, yeah? He has killed the trivia game at his local pub. He's really nice. (laughs) Honestly, he is from the UK. I bet he would crush it over a pint. This episode's also brought to you by Ori. And Ori's wonderful. Like, they had a much better idea when we were having a zombie apocalypse they live on the second floor of their apartment building and you have to buzz them in and when we got there to like hey ori we gotta go we gotta go they were like calm down todd you idiot hang out here it's much safer and we did and we survived the zombie apocalypse so thank you so much ori for keeping us all safe in your second story loft apartment Thank you, Ori. This episode also brought to you by Awesome Possum Blossom. And Awesome Possum Blossom wants me to give you some awesome possum facts. So here's one for you. Possums are immune to the zombie virus, which is why you'll never see a possum eat another possum. Possums eating bugs? Ticks? Yes, sir. Another (laughs) possum? No, thank you. (laughs) This episode also brought to you by the letter Jeff And Jeff wants you to check out his podcast Kissing Jessica Jones Where each week they break down an episode of the Jessica Jones TV show In fact they've done it so long That they've moved into the Agent Carter series So now they're breaking down Agent Carter episodes So guys check out Kissing Jessica Jones On your podcast app This episode's also brought to you by Brandon's Bug Business It's actually called Bug Cage Company on Facebook But you know I call it Brandon's Bug Business For the alliteration But if you have any needs for I don't I don't know scorpion spider centipede millipede or any other apede that you might have the mill need for speed Ooh, for need for that pede. yeah check out brandon's bug business actually called bug cage company on facebook and they will ship you some bugs we now return you to another exciting episode of uh, the, the patreonicals okay Evil Matthew is doubly evil Matthew now. Yeah, that's what happened last week. It was yeah. bonkers. Well, get get ready. This is going to go places. Oh, wow. Okay. Kaylee, you're evil too with evil Matthew now. He found you. <laughs> you're his evil soulmate. And that's really sweet in a lot of ways. They are united and evil. Tristam, he gets up and he confronts evil Matthew. He's like, this is my first time being human and you can't ruin this. The earth is fine. There's no zombie outbreak. Everything is okay. Yeah, everything's great. Evil Matthew takes Tristram's skull between his hands and crushes it and his brains and eyes go everywhere. (laughs) What? Tristram is dead, for real dead. He's Wow. Tristan spent months and months and months trying to be human and then the episode he becomes human, he gets murdered off by most evil Matthew. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, okay. The most evil. Like, sprinkle a little bit of extra uh-huh. evil on top. Yeah, and he tells everyone else, he's like, I know that Tristan was one of y'all's favorites, so he is murdered. 
and I hate you, and I also hate puppies. How can you hate puppies? Because I'm because wow. he's most evil. Wow. Okay, I gotta find out what else it takes to become most evil. All right. <laughs> we're gonna find out together so then dave was like no tristan why did you do that and kaylee comes up and she um she has a special power uh she got it she's like dream warriors she's like really hot and has pocket knives <laughs> <laughs> i'm beautiful dream and bad <laughs> she's beautiful and she's bad anyway she stabs uh dave about 40 times like prison style wow shivs him kate yeah. freaks out Scott, who's made of the thing, he punches Kaylee and she flies back. But, you know, she's beautiful. So who knows what if that did anything. Right. She'll probably be fine, right? Yeah. And uh, evil Matthew, who uh, has super strength now, apparently, he's been holding back. He punches Scott. He flies off and hits a mountain way far away. And uh, Isaac is like, no, let me get my story straight. That'd be a first. Evil Matthew puts a control collar on Isaac. And makes Isaac do what he wants to do. And I, and oh he, no. Yeah. He's like, these are like control collars from lots of different pop culture references. So <laughs> if you don't do what I want, your head explodes or whatever. And Isaac's like, all right, all right, bro. And then um, Kate picks up Dave's body. Uh, and also, Kaylee has recovered and she runs up, puts a control collar on Domosaurus. And <gasps> now he's an evil alien T Rex. I knew this day would come. Kate, <laughs> Kate grabs Karoon too. <laughs> Sasha and Eddie uh, run to Kate and they hug her. They're like, we got to get out of here. And uh, most evil Matthew takes the koala off of Eddie's shoulder and just bites into its neck and it bleeds out and dies slowly and twitches a lot. Damn. Wow, that is super evil. And then he steps on it. I mean, that's a little more. It's a little more evil. And he was. And then Kaylee's like, "That's cold, Allah," because <laughs> she's not good at jokes. <laughs> <laughs> that's something you two share. <laughs> yeah. And then Amy was like, "Oh my god!" And she starts crying. And then Kaylee flicks her in the face a couple of times, like with her fingernail, just makes her cry harder. And anyway, Kate. Gathers everybody up with her psychic powers, and they run away. And that's the end of the episode. Wow. Will Matthew have any more control collars for our crew of heroes? <laughs> what else will Matthew do to continue his most evil streak? What other quote-unquote jokes will Kaylee have for us <laughs> next week? Find out next week on another episode of The, the Patrionicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your whore virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. To completion. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Have a great week. Yeah. Except for you, Todd. <laughs> Bye. Zombie nerds.